The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. So today's message is this. One problem, one antidote, one focus. One problem, one antidote, one focus. And that's what we're going to look at. So first of all, one problem. Yes, there are lots of voices. Yes, there is a lot of shaking that is happening. But there is only one problem that we are really dealing with, and that is the problem of sin. It seems like sin as a word is an old-fashioned word. It's not a word that we're particularly used to using, but it is a word that we need to face up to because sin is at the root of all of the problems that we are facing. Sin truly is a universal situation. It's a problem that affects everybody wherever they are, in the world. It is a worldwide situation. We can't ignore it. We can't dismiss it. It's a problem that we have to face up to. Now let's ask the question, what is sin? The dictionary gives a definition of sin as this. Sin is the transgression of divine law. Now let me explain that because the word transgression is not common to us these days. To transgress means that you have stepped over the line you have crossed over the boundary that has been set. And divine law, that is, if you like, God's way for us to live life. So to sin means that we have crossed over the line that God has set. He has said you can live up to that line, but you mustn't cross that line. And if you cross that line, well, we've not only crossed it, we've stepped right over that line, and therefore we have sinned, we have broken the laws that God has set, and we have sinned before him. Let me explain it a little bit further still. Do not steal. We understand what that means. Do not steal is the line that has been set for us. So the expectation is that we are free to live life, to do anything at this side of the line, that we don't steal, we don't do anything wrong. But the moment that we take something that is not rightfully ours, The moment that we steal is the moment that we cross over that boundary that has been set for us. We transgress. That is sin. And when did sin start? Sin started, sin came into the world when Adam, the first man, and Eve, his wife, stepped over the boundary line that was set for them. And this was the boundary line, Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That was the boundary that was set for Adam and Eve, and they crossed that boundary, and therefore they sinned. As Paul said, because as they sinned, as Adam and Eve sinned, so that sin came in to affect the whole of the human race. Paul said this, Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all have sinned. What does sin look like? 
Now, to say what does it look like perhaps is slightly wrong. It's not so much what does it look like, but what behaviour, what action accompanies sin, or what does it produce. So let's ask the question, what does sin do? And I'm going to answer that by looking at Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, says Paul, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. How does sin give evidence of itself? Well, it gives evidence of itself in these ways. And some of these things are obvious in our society today. Sexual immorality, what is that? It is the uncleanness, it's unnatural practices, it is lustful pleasures, it's all the thoughts that are not pure, that are not morally clean. Idolatry, that is the raising up in your life of anything that is to take the position that belongs rightfully to God. Sorcery, that is where we have any connection to witchcraft, any attachment to demonic forces, to evil powers to help and assist us. Hostility, where we are arguing, where we're being aggressive, and we're against others who hold different views or opinions to our own. Quarrelling is like it, where we start to argue and debate and insist upon our way as being right and not being prepared to enable there to be peace. Jealousy, where we are resentful because we see what others have that we don't have or we want what they have and we're jealous about it. Outbursts of anger, where we are raging, where we are shouting. Selfish ambition, where we must excel even if it's at the expense of somebody else. What really matters is that I must, um, I must succeed in what I want to do. Dissension is where there is strong disagreement, not allowing others to hold uh, differing views from ourselves. And division is where that separation is really felt. And when it's established between people, there is a division because of dissension. Envy, where there is a distant contentment that comes upon our own selves because we see what other people have, their possessions, their position, their success. Why can't we have that? And of course, drunkenness, where we're taking alcohol to excess beyond that which is going to be sensible for us. All of these things and others are evidence of sin. So let's ask a question, why is it important to deal with sin? I think for three reasons. Firstly, sin is an absolute affront to God. He has established boundaries for our lives, the best way for us to live, the best way for us to live so that we can have the best life possible. He has set those boundaries, and when we cross over those boundaries, we show nothing but just contempt for God. We don't care about him, we do what we want to do. First of all, it is an affront to God. And secondly, because we show that affront, because we show that contempt, to God and we transgress, we walk over the boundaries willingly, we are guilty. And the result of our sinning is separation from God and therefore we face an eternal punishment because we have broken God's laws. The Bible talks of the wages of sin as being death, that is physical and spiritual death. Thirdly, 
Sin is an enslavement. Sin holds us in captivity. It entices us to carry out its desires, its will. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 8, 34. He said, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. In these times of shaking, in this time of the world in which we live right now, there is really just one problem, and that problem is sin. So there is one problem, and the problem is sin. Secondly, there is one antidote. Just as there is one problem, there is only one antidote for that problem. There is only one antidote for sin, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that, just in case you didn't hear me. There is only one antidote for sin, and that antidote is Jesus Christ. The only way to remove the stain, the guilt, the condemnation of the sin that we have committed is to find forgiveness for our sin and cleansing of what we have done wrong through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. A famous verse, but I'm going to read it to you, from John 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When the world was lost, when the world was distanced, when the world was removed from God, God himself acted by sending his one and only son, Jesus, into the world. Jesus came to live a sinless life in this world. He came to where we were and he lived in this world and he died on the cross to take the punishment of the sin of the whole world upon himself, to be the right sacrifice before God so that we who have sinned may be set free from the sins that we have committed, from the transgression, from the rebellion, from the disdain that we have shown before God. Jesus came to take that upon himself. Paul writes like this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Paul again writes in Romans 5, verses 18 and 19. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. It is through what Jesus has done that we may be forgiven for our sin. There is only one antidote for our problem, and that is Jesus. I said at the beginning, the cross of Jesus. Because it's only as we come with all of our problems, all of our anger, all of our injustice, all of our frustrations, all of our don't know, our don't understand, all of our problems, all of our wrongdoing. It's only when we can come to the cross of Jesus Christ that we can find the antidote for our problems, the forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ as he died upon that cross. I want to ask you this morning as you are watching here, 
Maybe it's the first time you've heard this message, but I'm asking you, have you dealt with your sin? It's obvious to us what sin is. The only antidote for sin is Jesus Christ. And he is here today and he is waiting and he is knocking on the door of your life to say, will you open the door and will you let me, Jesus, come in so that I may forgive your sin and lead you in a new way of life. Listen, if that is you and you are wanting that today, you can freely receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that Jesus himself can bring and find new relationship with God. Let me come on. We have one problem, which is sin. We have one antidote, which is Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we have one focus. What is our focus? Jesus himself gave us a focus in Matthew 6, verse 33. He said this, Seek the kingdom of God, above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. With this world being shaken, with ourselves being shaken, we're asking this question, how, with all of this shaking, how should we be living? We should be living with one focus, to seek for God's kingdom to come both in our own lives and in the world in which we live. We want to take hold of the shaking regarding all the racial prejudice and the injustice that we are feeling at the moment, that we're beginning to see, that we're beginning to understand. And we need to take hold of that and we need to come to God and say, God, let your kingdom come in the midst of this situation. Men and women by themselves are never going to be able to find the answers to all of this injustice that we are seeing all the way around us. Men and women have desire to seek solutions and to make change, but they need to deal with the problem, which is the problem of our sin. And the only way for us to find solutions is to come back to God and to let him be the centre of our lives and for him to direct us as he would have us live. You know, in the Old Testament, there are lots of laws and commands that we are given. But when it comes to Jesus, Jesus really simplifies that and tries to bring it down to basically two things. This is what Jesus said. He gave us, as it were, the top two things for us in life to follow. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 40. Jesus said this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's if you like, Jesus is saying, look, let's get all of the law, all of the way we need to live. Let, quickly, let's summarise that easily for people. Rather than having hundreds of different things, let's bring it down to two things. And these are the two things. You need to love God and you need to love your neighbour. And we need to take hold of those two things if we are going to see a change, not only in our world, but in ourselves, in our own way of living. We need to get that order right in our own lives. And there is an order. The first thing is that we have devotion to God, that we love God wholeheartedly, heart, soul and mind. If that's not in place, then nothing else is going to find its right place. But when we start to make that our priority, then everything else starts to fall in line. Our first responsibility is to love God. And then, as we love God, and in fact it's only in loving God, 
and making him our priority that we find the strength and the ability to do the second thing that he said, which is to love our neighbour as ourselves. Now, you know, when Jesus was teaching about this, there was an expert in the Jewish law who asked him a question and he heard Jesus say this and he just wanted to make sure that he was in the right place. So he said, Jesus, who is my neighbour? And Jesus answered that by giving a quick story to illustrate it. He told the story of what we know as the Good Samaritan, but this is the story. He told the story of a man who was travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he was travelling along, that man got set upon, he got mugged, he got robbed, he got beaten, and he was left stripped of his clothes, beaten up, lying half dead on the side of the road. And it says that in time a priest came along, and the priest saw him. But the priest walked by on the other side of the road. Then, wow, at least another person came along. It said a Levite. And a Levite, he's not a priest, but he's also somebody who serves in the temple, who works in the religious industry, if you like. And he saw the man as well. But he also walked by on the other side of the road. And then Jesus said, and a Samaritan came along. And he saw him and he stopped. But hang on a second. You need to understand, if you don't, who a Samaritan is. A Samaritan isn't just anybody. A Samaritan is somebody who was hated by the Jews. It says the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't mix. They don't have any association with each other. This is somebody who is completely from the other side of, of, of life, as it were, from where the Jewish man was coming from. And yet this is the man who stopped, who went over to him, who tended to his wounds, who bandaged him up, who picked him up, put him on his own donkey, and then took him off to a hotel and put him up and paid for him to stay in the hotel and to be given food and drink and looked after until he was made well. That's what the Samaritan did. Now Jesus, having told the story, he turned around to this Jewish man, this expert in the law, and he said, who do you think was the neighbour? And the expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And for us, if we're to love our neighbour, it's looking at, well, who is my neighbour? This is the person who is completely different, maybe the person from a different creed, a different race, a different way of life from us. And yet that is the person who needs mercy and help. And we need to be prepared to give that person mercy, grace and help when we see them in their time of need. That's loving our neighbour. So the world has a problem, and the problem is sin. And there is only one antidote for that problem. It is Jesus Christ. And you know, having taken hold of Jesus Christ, there needs to be one focus for our lives, and that is that we're living for the kingdom of God. Loving God, first and foremost, and loving our neighbour, even that person who's completely different from us, loving them, in the same manner. Practically speaking, because there is a practical aspect to this, that means that we need to be making space for God in our lives daily. We need to be giving him space so that he can give us his instructions, so that he can lead us in the way that he wants us to live. It means that we're not to judge others. It means that we're not to try to take the plank uh, the speck out of their eye unless we're prepared to deal with the plank in our own eye first. It means that we must forgive others because we have been forgiven. It means that we need to live in those ways 
Because those are the ways that God wants us to live in. Unless we can actually live like that, we're not going to see a transformation to the situations around us. But the more that we embrace following God, the more that we allow him to take our place, because God is the ruler of all things. Mankind isn't. God is the one who is above all. And as we let God have his rightful position, then the things in this world that seem so confused, so out of place, so dis, so, so upset that need to come back into order, as we see those things, it's only through God that we can find peace and that we can find a solution to that confusion that is all around us. And it means that we need to seek first his kingdom and to follow his ways. So I want to encourage you this way, this week. Look, make that time for God. Love him first and foremost. Give him the first place. Ask yourself, am I doing that? Think through in your life and find space so that he has the first place. Love God. And as you love God, that will move you the, the time and the place and the, the strength that you need to love your neighbour as yourself. So that we can then start to fulfil God's commands and to bring his kingdom into our lives. Let's just pray. Father, we ask Lord for your help. Father, we recognise the problem. We know the solution. Help us to hold on to you, Father. Help us to come to you. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to live in accordance with your ways, within your boundaries, so that our lives, Lord, can be transformed, our lives can be changed, so that we can truly love you wholeheartedly and serve and love our neighbour as we ought to. We pray for your help and enabling in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.